a date which will live in infamy. Only a foolish optimist can deny the dark realities of the moment. He's starting. <laughs> I love this. I love how you said five, four, three, two, and then we just had no clue who was going to begin, who was going to make this happen. But you know what, guys? Here we are. And you know what's so exciting about this? First of all, it's the first time the three of us have been back together in quite some time. I'm very excited for that. It's nice to see you both. But also, we have a fourth. It's passable. It's passable. <laughs> we have a fourth today, guys. We do. We do. And you know what? He currently right now is is on our monitor he's he's on zoom right now and he's in an actual happy state he's not in ohio he's not in the cold in the gray clouds he's in hawaii fucker he's in the 808 bitches that's fucking right (laughs) we have our guy aaron on the show aaron thanks for being here man hey thanks for having me guys it's fun to be back and, and yeah. this is actually the second time you've been on, on <laughs> it that is. VR's wheelchair. It is. <laughs> but the, the, the first one wasn't released because apparently the duct work going through my basement has a rattling sound to it. And it's fucking terrible. It was yeah. terrible. Yeah. You would not be a very good Jeffrey Dahmer. I, I, because your basement's just not built for it. Somebody's been I watching can, Netflix, haven't I they? Can, <laughs> I, I, I dabble. I can um, eat some supple young men. I'm just yes. saying. You know, you know what's really funny? Is that, is that how you're still alive? <laughs> it's, it's, it's my blood. But you know, actually, speaking of that, I actually really find Netflix to be hilarious because they give you those options of like things you might like. And I've noticed that, you know, since getting married, our tastes are so different. So it's like things you might like, you know, and, it, and then it'll be like a sports show or like, a, you know, a comedy how these five murderers got away with murdering those victims. And you're just like, oh, one of these is different than the uh, others. Instructional, huh? <laughs> instructional. <laughs> you know what she always tells me, too? She's like, it's my relaxing show. I'm like, is it? Is it? <laughs> and that makes your wife really scary. Right. That's, that's why I have Alexa, like, in each room of my house. <laughs> so, like, I get murdered. Back. They'll get Bethany. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Hey, Brandon, I heard lead pipe upstairs. <laughs> Would fuck? you like to know the, the sound of sharpening? <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, I, I, I mean, listen, though, that's why you have the algorithm. you got to trust the algorithm. Oh, absolutely. It's going to save us big time. But you know what else is going to save us right now is this conversation with Aaron. Because, Aaron, I, I believe uh, we, we asked you to come on because we, we got some really awesome stuff to talk about today. Is that right? Uh, I mean, I guess so. I, I don't guess know. so? We'll I mean... We'll see. I mean, this could go straight to the back catalog. I don't know. What? Uh, we don't have a catalog. Anymore. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Look, we do. They're all in the back. <laughs> so let's make a catalog first, and then we'll see if it goes into the back. Absolutely. So let's start off, Aaron, with, um, you know, yourself and, uh, you, you know, we've known each other for 30 years. Um, so we've been great friends for, it has been 30 years, hasn't it? Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Yes. And you have become a friend of FDR's wheelchair. So you knew Dave when he first hit middle age. (laughs) Um, We're the same age, so you're talking about both of us. He's older than us. He's older than us. I'm still making fun of you. I know. Actually, I remember when Dave went through puberty. <laughs> was he bitching as, as much then? These <laughs> fucking hairs. <laughs> my wife did pluck some big ear hairs out of my left ear today. So, Aaron, tell us a little bit more about you. Um, well, I guess more specifically, anything specific question you want to know, but... Um... You know, we had talked about, like, what do you guys want to talk about or what we could talk about. And I said, one of the things that's uh, near and dear to my heart is mental health. Um, and, you know, you know, one of the things I found interesting was, um, is when I think about the news and I think about what you guys talk about on your show, like, to me, the underlying story there, it really is a story of mental health. Like, a lot of the things that are happening that are just fucking wackadoodle. Are happening because people are just there's a lot of people hurting in the world i mean i feel like i'm on a soapbox right out of the gate but that's just that's my take on the world when i see it and um 
And so even though it's kind of a, a divergence from when you guys usually talk about it, just, you know, I don't know, something I, it's something that I've come to wanted to talk about more in public spaces because it's a part mm -hmm. of me that I hid from the world for the first probably like two to three decades of my life. Mm -hmm like completely hit. And so I'm, it seems like it's a time now where there, that conversation's coming up a lot more. People are having that conversation more. It's, and uh, so it's, I, I kind of want to be part of that conversation in whatever way feels uh, relevant or, or uh, pertinent, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great thing that you brought up, Aaron. And I think there's a lot to sort of unpack with that, starting with the fact that you know, you mentioned like the first few decades of your life, you sort of felt like that was something that wasn't, you know, in the forefront of your mind. And I think that's something that we all can kind of have that conversation about mainly because, you know, mental health isn't something that's new, but I think it's a newly discussed thing just in our society. You know, it seems like the stigma about it, at least what people say on the outside, is mm -hmm. that it's acceptable to break down the stigma of mental health. Even though there's still a lot of uh, judgment, I think being cast upon it, absolutely, especially among men. Yes. Oh, oh, ab absolutely. Point. And and you know what? There's I think out there in the world too. There there's a lot to consider. There's actually even uh, Dave and I were just actually talking about the show Ted Lasso. A really fantastic show. Really highlights mental health. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of in a way that talking about it from an athlete standpoint, but also from a mental health standpoint of you know predominantly male in this example yeah. but um you know there's there's a lot to really get into it as well because obviously i i believe that in politics you need mental health and it's is something that whenever we dive into this we can look at it from so many different angles mm -hmm. uh one of which i know I've, I've joked with you guys before that i i am younger than you guys but one thing that is kind of important to know about that is I kind of grew up a little bit more in that generation where it started to become more and more of a mm -hmm. topic in which we could discuss it and then you have people who have had these issues because we all do. We all go through it. And you start to see the consequences of people who have had that repressed in so many different ways over their lifetime. And it's now starting to really come out where we just have so many things going on in our country, in our world, that you just can't bottle that up anymore. You know, and it's, it's really starting to show in a lot of people's actions and a lot of ways people behave in the world so i mean i mean you can tie so much to all the horrible things going on in this world to toxic masculinity and the negative effects of mental health that is kind of permeated downward um you know for the longest period of time it's like it's finally coming to some yeah. level of culmination so let's maybe try to talk about this in terms of like you know we talk about politics on this show we should talk about that in the sense of of maybe just sort of where mental health sort of fits into our political world right now you know kind of dive into that we can maybe look at this from uh different parties we can look at this from different standpoints and just sort of roll from there what do you guys think well sounds good to me yeah, yeah absolutely and how are we um, going to make it funny how are we going to make it funny because <laughs> <laughs> ah. we did all the suicide jokes before we hit record right, right. <laughs> <laughs> your brain's sad <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I think that's an interesting point, though. Can I jump in real fast? Because that's the interesting, t that's the interesting um, rub there, is simply that the laughing at it. It, it, it. There's such a stigma around you can't laugh mm -hmm. at it, you can't talk about it. But the truth of it is that there's some space in the middle where there's moments where it has to be taken seriously, mm -hmm. and there's moments when it just needs to be fucking laughed at. Like, it, it, to a degree, with respect and not with, right. that, with, uh, not with repressing it, because I think the truth is it's held too heavily and too tightly. Mm -hmm. then it just becomes you're holding it too tightly and then, then you take it too seriously. So I think there's some space in the middle to be able to kind of move between it because there's moments where I think there's moments where it's like, no, this is serious. We really need that um, all hands on deck. And then there's moments to just be like, yeah, my fucking brain's broken. Yeah, and well, I, I, I agree. And I, my, only, my only thought on that, though, is that that can sometimes be used as a coping mechanism to ignore the problem. At times, um, I feel as though I agree, though, with you, the idea that, like, at times we, we take shit too seriously. I think we all do. Um, but I, I also think, too, that um, I think a lot of us use the word. I, I don't know about you guys. Do you feel like you've been using the word distraction 
a lot in your life over the last five years? Like, oh, this is a good distraction from everything going on, or I just need a distraction. Like the Cavs from, like, game on your lap right now? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. You I literally mean, have the Cavaliers game I playing on your phone. As we're going no, on. I don't know what yeah. you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. What is distraction? Huh. Oh, man. It, it, yeah, but you know what? We use it all the time, and yet... Uh, uh, Dave and I, we call that wine. Wow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, let me ask you this, though, then. Is the word distraction, then, more evil or more helpful? Um... Calm down. I know it's a big question. Yeah, you, know, you, you got me. Uh, I was trying to distract you with my coughing. Nice distraction. Um, I don't think it's. I, I think it's um, a neutral word um, because you can you can place it on anything, and you can you can literally use the word distraction to distract from what you're trying to get away from. So. Mm. You saying the word distraction, and we're like, yeah, that totally makes sense yeah. um, of why we're acting one way. But then I can literally bring up that word and be like, so, we have distractions in our life. And now we're already on a tangent where I don't have to talk about myself anymore. Right. Right. And I have done that. Sure. It pushes that out to the point. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh I, I got it. Yeah. So we can now talk about... It's like the get-out-of-jail-free card. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah, tell me how I don't solve my problems so I don't have to solve my problems. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it... And, and, you know, if you equate this then to politics, especially, um, I think that sometimes leaves people to be ignorant, finding distractions. Yeah, uh, I mean, the Republican Party is... is and I, I don't mean to pick on just because we're part but here of the we left, go. Here but, we go. But it, it is part of that. Um, they're very good at securing the border. That's what we need to focus on now. Where it's that's none of our problems. We need to focus on inflation. We can't fix that. But these are the the topics that they're they're picking and choosing because it is a distraction. Right. We need to protect the border. We need to protect the border. Oh, let's also make sure that we're taking all the immigrants to Washington, D.C. Let's make sure we're Martha's Vineyard, them. whatnot, well, or let's... not even focusing on the problems that we actually can we can fix, like student loan debt. That's something right. that's being it's tangible. It's tangible and you can fix Look it. over here. Sleepy Joe, Sleepy Joe, Sleepy yeah. Joe. Keep, mm -hmm. keep working on that. Uh, student a, debt. a living wage. Yeah, uh, corporate so, greed. It's part of things the culture like of avoiding problems and creating other distractions to never able to deal with the problem, and that way everybody just hopes you push through to the next thing. So we then see a correlation then with distractions with helping our mental health, and distractions within our own political party of the Republicans. So, so, so Aaron, let me ask you this. Um. For you, <laughs> when you hit that decade after your 30s or whenever it clicked in your mind to kind of start talking about things and stop being distracted from actually dealing with your problems, was it more because of how society was changing, how stigma was starting to being lifted, or was this more of like a personal epiphany? What was like the blend that kind of started helping you bring your own personal issues to the forefront? Like, how did that happen? That's a great question. Um, it's interesting. I can think back to that window of time and um, probably late 20s, probably early 30s when it kicked. And it was something shifted, and I wish I really knew why. Actually, I kind of do. I think I, I, met, I met who would be end up becoming my wife. And we ended up having a really solid communication relationship, really safe from the get-go. and. Neither of us come from families that had that, so somehow we mm -hmm. just sort of fell into it. We got really fucking lucky. Um, go ahead and bleep out all my cursing, please. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. You fucking fell I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to defile your uh, podcast. Um, so, <laughs> I like that word, defile. Defile. <laughs> it's a so, defilade. <laughs> you fucking flaxseed. Hey, continue, something, Aaron. Something shifted around that window of time for me, and I, I don't know if I can always put my finger on it, but I think a few things came together at that moment where I felt like I was safe enough to start talking about it. But it was something I definitely hid. But what I found, and I don't feel like there was these 
specific like i don't feel like the culture was changing at that point um enough to for for me to feel more safe but i think i started having more conversations with people Mm -hmm. and i started being able to dial into people better and go i think this person's struggling with the same thing i am and Mm -hmm. when i was actually able to open up they actually opened up back with me i was like oh wow and what i found was just being able to say it out loud like just simply to say Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah i've struggled with depression since i was a kid uh felt uh freeing and relieving and all of a sudden the weight of this like uh, legitimately it felt like a monster chasing me for the majority of my life all of a sudden shifted into feeling like oh it's not as big and scary as it was the moment ago so i think that just started a momentum where i felt more safe talking about it were were you having these conversations with people that you were living close to or were they scattered around these were actually the couple that i remember very specifically because it's been a while were people that i was sitting face to face with Okay. They weren't necessarily, some of them were people I knew well. Mm-hmm. Some of them were people that, um, uh, that I didn't know so well, but I could just sort of feel it when I was yeah. talking. I'm like, oh, I think they're struggling with something similar. And um, yeah. So, and I remember, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. C- continue. Please, 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 please. Yeah. One of, the, one of the hallmark moments of my life was calling Dave around that time and talking to him about it. I don't know if you remember that call, Dave, or not, but yeah. yeah. And for me, the, the conversation was, I don't know how we got into it. I don't remember how it started, but I just remember saying, you know, you know I know we've known each other for a long, long mm-hmm. time. What you don't know is that during yeah. a lot of those years that we were hanging out, I was very suicidal. Yeah. And, you know, what you said back to me, which was reflected back to me by a lot of people, was that I was the happiest, most easygoing, mm-hmm. go, you know, go lucky guy. I was the life of the party. But what people didn't know was after the party, I went back to my room and tried to figure out ways to kill myself that left the smallest mess possible for my roommates. Like, that's how I got through. And Well, nothing nobody compared did. to Johnny's room. <laughs> <laughs> you could have blown your brains out with a shotgun, and his room would have been a lot worse than yours. So, but but, but yeah. I, I think that puts pressure, too, because you were kind of like that happy-go-lucky center of the party, and you all, it, it put you in a position, probably, where you had to kind of, like, uphold that image. I don't yeah. know if image is the right word, but you had to uh, uphold that because people expected that from you. I think well, what I see outside looking in in college when I knew you the best, well, I didn't say when I knew you the best, but when we were around each other the most, is that people wanted a lot of emotional attention from you. They mm. gravitated towards you, but you are the one giving more to them than they were actually giving to you, if that makes any sense. And that I think so, yeah. seems like it would I, I put think, a heavy burden on an average person. Yeah. I, I kind of look back on it and I feel like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it in this context, not because I believe it to be so, but nonetheless, there's sort of this superpower I think I have, which is this deep level of empathy. I'm not unique that way, so I'm not saying it that way, that I have a superpower, but that is one of my strengths. But the problem is at that time, I was so overwhelmed with what was coming in and what was going, and I was so scared of what could come out mm-hmm. that the struggle, the pushback between what's coming in and how much I was letting in and how much I could read and feel in other people um, and how much I wanted to express but couldn't because I was too worried that, oh, if people see this about me, they're going to fucking hate me. Like, no one's going to know what to do with me. I mean, you know, and pr- probably to be, I mean, there's probably some truth to that. You know, probably being so. yeah. early, late teens, early 20s, being in a room, you know, house full of a bunch of guys. And being yeah. like, hey, guys, by the way, I'm pretty suicidal these days. I don't know that that would have gone over well. You want to get a beer? Hey, pussy, do you want to throw some football out back? Well, and it's, it's something where, well, and it's, it's, it goes back to, I mean, again, mental health is a science. It is in a lot of ways. And, and your story is, like you said, it's, it's, you know, you're a unique person, but it doesn't make your situation unique. It doesn't make the things you've gone through unique. Like, I mean, if, if we go back to, you know, we really open up the psychology book and think about, you know, the hierarchy of needs, right? I mean, you have friendship and love, right? But then the next few levels are your self-esteem and actualization and all those ideas. And when we struggle to understand those things, the whole pyramid crumbles and and that's something where it sounds like for you, you had the support system, you had people 
that were looking out for you. You had people that were trying to, you know, get you to a place and you, 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 you found that with your life, with your marriage, with other people. And I guess that's something that like, whenever we think about it, you know, mental health, not only just in general mental health, but then you think about it from our political landscape too. I don't believe though. I feel like the part that does make you unique is that you found a lot of avenues to, you know, get better. You found a lot of ways to improve. And I just feel like there's so many people out there now who, mind you, are voters who never really got to that place, who never really figured out those areas of their life, are still in those places, and yet they're, you know, out there making decisions for our country. They're out there making decisions that affect, you know, everybody. And right now, a big one is women. Right? Mm -hmm. So... I don't know, like, I, I feel like kind of hearing this, like, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's not only is, is it a great thing to hear where you, you, you were and where you're, you're, you now are, but it's also kind of a, a tale that I feel like we all need to hear, you know, in our political landscape. It, yeah. yeah, especially at a time when we were going in the right direction, and now rage is the acceptable mode of being a change agent in this country. And... That is scary. And nothing says poor mental health like just going straight to anger. Mm-hmm. When you go yeah. straight to anger, that just shows you have no tools. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, in some ways we look at those people as, as, you know, barbaric maybe, but in some ways you kind of feel for them. You're like, damn, I, it, it, it is really hard that as, as, as a human being that your first and only way to solve this problem is to get angry. Yeah. I mean, what I've come to what I've come to learn in the last few years, kind of doing some some personal work in its own way, is generally speaking, anger is not a lonely emotion. No, Usually, no. it's a, it's the top layer emotion, and if you just scratch the surface below it, there's going to be sadness, and mm-hmm. or shame, and or fear, and it's usually it's almost never lives on its own. And the only time it ever does is when someone's in actual physical danger in the moment, like mm-hmm. I'm being attacked by a saber-toothed tiger. Anger comes up and it's protected. But what we see on a day-to-day basis with, like, road rage and take your pick, mm-hmm. right? right. Kind of, you know, all the shootings and all that, yeah. that's a sign of something much deeper emotionally going on, in my opinion. Well, um, yeah, and, then like, let's think about that in the sense of those who maybe are a little bit more informed. And I'm not trying to say every Republican's not. It's just, I think, you know, in the, tr- in the <laughs> well, in the Trump era. In the Trump era, correct. Absolutely. Yeah. But also, let's take those who just are informed or try to be informed, no matter what side they're on. There's still mental health issues. Yeah. And it, it, it's coming from a different place. Uh, Brandon, let me just kind of throw this off to you. Like, you know, um, people that you feel as though are well-informed, are, you know, getting their information, trying to be better. You know, why do you think? people like that still are in that realm of like needing this mental health needing you know this 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 extra push uh well um thank you for the softball question that you uh <laughs> threw at well, me I just, there's there's you know, anger just... what what layers underneath that <laughs> what layers underneath shame? there um I, I i think it's um aaron said it before there there is a layer of sadness uh to it and with that sadness comes confusion and uh, an ability to try to deal with that sadness and confusion. And, and anger is easy. It's mm-hmm. very, very easy yes. to let that out and to direct it to something because a lot of times that sadness and that confusion, you, it, it doesn't have a target. Right. You just have to deal with that. And that, Fucking hard. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. No, that's that's like um, perfect way to but, say it. <laughs> uh, but anger, it uh, like, it's easy to target. Like, fuck you and your New Balance shoes, Dave. Fuck you and your beanie, Ben. Easy. I did it real quick. Hey, Brandon, and I masked a whole bunch of shit. Brandon, yeah. when you when you uh, when you point at somebody, there's three fingers pointing back. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'll add on to what Brandon's saying too. Is I, my, in my opinion, the culture we live in as a whole, especially for men, we talked. You kind of mentioned mm-hmm. male toxicity earlier. Is um, is that we we're only really allowed to show a little bit of of emotion. 
It's a little bit of joy, especially in very particular moments. Mm -hmm. Anger definitively is okay. Even mm -hmm. though we say it's not, that's okay. Yep. But how many times have you seen an interview with a man who starts crying? And what is the first thing he says as soon as he starts crying? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They yeah, back, that's right. They back off from the interview, right? It happens all the time. Every time I watch it, it's like, it's like a knife in my heart. It's like, no, brother, let it fucking go. Okay. Man. Let it rip. I want to yeah. see you cry. Yeah. Like, I want to see more men willing to be that vulnerable. Because that's what can, I feel like is going to keep yeah. moving us towards the ability to be like, we all have these emotions. We're just told we're not allowed to fucking yeah. express. And these are cultural norms that have been going on for hundreds of years that we're trying to unpack. Yeah. This isn't change yeah. that happens overnight. Yeah, stigma Absolutely. has changed a little bit, but the culture behaviors and the cultural practices pretty much are still there. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's something too. I, I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately, Aaron, because... Um, I know that there's been a big push for, for men's mental health. Absolutely. You know, just from certain celebrities, different, you know, people out there. I've thought a lot too about stigma for women's mental health as well. And, and the reason I bring this up is I've just lately, I don't know what it is, but I feel like the last year or so I've either been talking to my friends who their girlfriends, fiance, wife, or whatever it may be, you know, we're dealing with something. and they always end up telling me the same exact thing. They just were getting really emotional, you know, or they're being overly emotional about something. And I guess that's been sticking with me a lot lately, or too. Or she's being crazy. Or she's being crazy or irrational. <laughs> like, you know, you, you hear words like that, and I just feel like in general, like, mental health, that conversation is out there, but I feel like for both sides of, of, of gender, um, there's, there's labels. And, and it's, it's something where now we have to start asking ourselves, like, you know, or, or not even asking ourselves, but we, sh we shouldn't have to worry about how we portray our issues with our mental health. Well, like you guys were so el eloquently talking about distractions until I changed the topic. <laughs> we distract ourselves from that by saying we support mental health. We make posters. We make Thoughts and prayers. We, 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 yeah, we say thoughts and prayers. We make it Mental Health Awareness Month. We have 5K walks. But we don't still fucking deal with the problem. Men are pussies, women are crazy, and they have to suck it up. And just get yep. better. You just don't get better from, like, cancer or a broken arm. But <laughs> we know there's therapy. We know there's medicine. We know there's other types of things you can do. But, no, at the end of the day, we still just want people to get better. And is, is it also, like, it seems like something, too, where... I don't know, like, I've, I've just been seeing this a lot for myself, too, is just, like, once you reach a certain age or, like, a certain situation in your life, then you no longer need it. Right. You know, like, sometimes when you have kids or you get married, like, I, I know, like, for example, like, working at a school, they've been telling a lot, like, well, we really push, like, we have, like, therapists here for the kids if they need them. That's great. I think that's awesome. Um, You know, we've... <laughs> Recently, I know Dave and I have both had some very interesting situations at school. You know how many people have come in to check on me? None. 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 And again, it's a job. You're doing your job. Yeah. But there is kind of part of you that's like, oh, you're right. I have it all figured out. I'm good. Thanks. You know, I, I, I have my degree. I'm, yeah. I got the job. Or they like, give you, you external know. resources, but they still practice. <laughs> or, <things>. a <laughs> or a donut. Or a donut. Or a donut saying, hey, thanks for all your hard work. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, look how fat I am. I'll even feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. Like, that's, that's kind of stuff, too, where, you know, now we're starting to kind of have this conversation where it's like mental health is at times only viewed from others seriously depending on who you are and mm. your situation and at times what you look like. And, and I, don't, I, I feel like the more and more we're kind of unpacking this, the more and more we're, we're seeing that, that mental health, there's so much stigma involved with it. And I think it's because even though it's not a new science, it's a new conversation. Yeah, yeah and it's true because it's, it's hard and it's awkward. Yeah. Um, I think people forget how awkward it is to try to deal with somebody with mental health or being the person who has those issues because yeah. you're just like i'm just oh i'll give you an example so like the other day our principal was like walking by there, there's somebody right beside me she's been dealing with a lot lately and everybody like principal walks up saying like how you guys doing and i'm like i'm good and then she said i'm not really doing that good right now and he like stopped 
looked, did, did like this awkward like, <laughs> and then just kept walking. Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah. that wasn't what I was hoping for. I was hoping for right. living the dream. Yeah, you just, <laughs> you know? it was literally a rhetorical yeah. question and you just fucking fucked it up. And you just answered honestly with <laughs> yeah. like, your thoughts and feelings. Like, yeah, Ugh. yeah, yeah. So that reinforces the stigma to shut up. Yeah, no, Brandon, that's a great point. It's, it's like, yeah, it is awkward. Like, uh, it, it, it is, it's not what people are looking for when they get into a conversation, yeah. which means not everybody's well equipped yeah, to and, handle it. it. It, 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 exactly, and it, it kind of re- reminds me of um, going to Kroger's. There, there's a couple mental handicap people that work there. I'm not very good at dealing with that, so I don't know how to deal with it. Just so as far as communication. It, exactly. Communication. So there's one um, worker there that she brings in the the. the I want to say trolleys, but I, I know that's my English speak. It's the uh, the carts, the carts, yeah, the trolleys. Bring up the trolleys. Where I can think of the word. Yeah. So, so they'd be the ones making Do fun you of you. Yeah, right, right. Jimmy, Fucking. drop anything off the letterbox. They're the ones looking at you like I can't look at this guy. I can't. I can't interact with him. He's a fucking moron. <laughs> ding ding, riceroni. That's a trolley, mother. God damn. Like, so one of them, she talks to herself, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're near her, it's like she's talking to you. So one day I responded to her, and she looked at me like, dickhead, I'm talking to myself. Like, <laughs> like right, yeah. Why are you butting into my conversation? But now I feel awkward. How do I deal with that? But none of us did anything wrong. Right. No, abs- absolutely. Can you reframe that, though, into just putting, like, patting yourself on the back for saying, hey, I made an effort, even if it didn't work? I guess. I mean, you don't have to, but I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you were, for you, it was an awkward thing to do to actually have engaged with this particular person. You tried. It didn't work, but at least you get your intent was from coming from a good place, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, to me, like, high five. Well, and, and like, I, I actually think that's a good point. We high five. Like, <laughs> you know, like, because no, there is, there is two options at that point, right? Fuck your new best friend. Um, I'm sorry, Ben. No, we fucked fuck when you came. Best friend on the internet right now. Oh, no, we God. did that at your party last few months ago. <laughs> I'm trying to catfish Brandon over here. And you guys are getting in my way. <laughs> I'm talking to myself, Dave. <laughs> Alright guys, so seeing as my mental health is now deteriorating, uh, Brandon, think of it this way now, okay? So, kind of like what Aaron said, like, you have, you have basically two choices at that point, right? Because you still remember it. One, like you said, you could avoid all situations like that. Or two, if you see something like that happen again, what are you going to do? I'm, I'm probably just going to try to say something again. <laughs> probably say something again. <laughs> like, like, it's just in me. I, 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 because... I would feel worse ignoring her mm-hmm. and getting it wrong than, com- and then or just getting it, just saying now, something. To now her. let's let's say though she did say she was talking to herself. How would you respond to that? Thumbs up and on with my day. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like the biggest thing though is that you had a moment in which you figured that out, and next time it happens, if it does happen, you'll handle it. You know, I think better. And I just think that's, like, in general, like, I don't know, like, th- th- this is something that um, an, o- an old coworker of mine said. Uh, he said, um, everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. And when he, when he said that, I was like, that is a really weird thing to say. But then I thought about it more, and the point was not the idea of racism. The point was, like, we sometimes just think and do really dumb shit yeah. all the time. and whenever we do that the biggest thing is not to deny it it's to be like yeah all right talk that up as uh you could be better ben (laughs) that's a very good point and and, i like that you know like just improve from it and the people that usually don't are the ones and i kind of go back to 2020 with black lives matter where people are like oh well i'm not gonna listen to this crap you know all lives matter all lives matter but like that was a moment for me where I was like, hey, chalk that up, Ben. Like, that's something you need to think about more. That's something you need to be a little bit more thoughtful about so that whenever it does come up again, I need to be 
more vocal if I need to, or but, I need to be more sensitive about this. Ben, if are I we need talking to. about a growth mindset? We're talking about a motherfucking growth, growth mindset. mindset. <laughs> oh, I feel like it's a teacher thing, right? It is. <laughs> oh, it is like balls deep teacher stuff. <laughs> like, I mean, it it is like welcome to your first day. We're gonna talk about a growth mindset yeah. this year, if and you then got a nine percent on your math test, you can get an eleven percent this week. <laughs> That's growth what you mindset. want your teachers to say. Balls deep. <laughs> <laughs> We actually had a poster on our wall that had this superhero, and he had a big Y instead of an S, and it was called The Power of Yet. And he, <laughs> yes, he had all these lines, Balls deep yet. Like, you know, boom, bam, wham. It's like, you know, I can't read at the eighth grade level yet. Yet. <laughs> I'm having trouble. I'll make friends. I can't make friends. It's called yet. the American Education System. I, yeah. <laughs> I haven't sold edibles in the bathroom yet. Yet. <laughs> Are you balls deep? Nope, not yet. No, not yet. Are you in? Yes. <laughs> I was. <laughs> now, now be quiet. Take your edible and sleepy time. <laughs> See, and this goes back, Aaron, to the idea of the humor of mental health, right? I mean, you know, you got to be able to, to take a moment to be like, okay, all right, we're getting, we're getting too much into it, but... I think that is really important, though, is, is just this whole concept of um, how do we grow from situations in which we could have been better? And I think that is where our country is becoming more and more and more divided by the day. Because, you know, and we can use, I know, the term growth mindset, but I feel like some embrace the fuck out of that. I think others actively run away from it yes and that is that is why actively and when you say that consciously do it. yes and that is why there's so many more people saying i can't even talk to the other side anymore i can't even have a conversation and i actually get it because it's exhausting if you try it's it's exhausting especially trying to be somebody that's growing trying to be somebody that's conscious of somebody's mental well-being all of that different shit and somebody else is saying, nah, I'm good, because that's not really how human interactions work anymore. We're evolving as people. We need to be evolving with our conversations, and I feel like some people, uh, Darwinism is really out there, <laughs> stalking its next prey. That's possible, yeah, for sure. Idiocracy is happening. Idiot yeah. yeah, man, yeah. it is. It, it, just, it just fucking is, and it's... it's uh, it's something where what I'm really curious about, though, is, uh, you know, in our Darwinism, who who has the right shaped beak? Is it those choosing to stay away from growth or is it those trying to change? Because we really don't know right now, because as of right now, we've seen a country so divided, but also the ignorant side has won a few times and they might win some more. Like in two weeks, like in two weeks from now. <laughs> Not at my pool yeah. station. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Have you done your training yet for being a pole worker? Yeah, I, 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 I called. <laughs> They're looking for warm bodies. Exactly. You're gonna be the youngest person there by four years. a pole dancer. Is that what you just said? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So what he yeah. does is whenever you vote. When you see, vote this, to ban abortion, this hoodie <laughs> has a lot of Velcro. So you vote, he goes. <laughs> oh, I finally get it now. That's why you're wearing those clear uh, high heels. Yeah. So, and and what's great is as he strips, it just says like on his body, like in Sharpie, like you know, healthcare, <laughs> social security, social security, my body, my choice. <laughs> on my ass. On my tramp stamp, it says Obamacare. Obamacare. <laughs> my body, no choice. No choice. <laughs> I did not choose this. I have, I have Lindsay on one nipple and Graham oh. on the other. <laughs> you make them talk to uh, each other. <laughs> I am now officially flaxen. Uh, I'm raging hard, actually. For the first time in years. Yeah, that's probably true. Probably couldn't hit a target even if I tried. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. 
Yeah. Okay. Sad now. Speaking yeah. of uh, <laughs> shooting yeah. blanks, That's well, the, or you yeah. know, <laughs> I peeled off that layer of rage, and just it's sadness is underneath it. No, and oh. and, and again, this is like. Like Aaron said at the very beginning, you know, when you go through these things, we're talking about a lot with mental health. You, you got to have your breaks. You know, you got to be able to laugh because if you don't, then you get buried. You get buried really quick. But we do want to kind of get ourselves, um, you know, focused a little bit more on the idea of mental health and its effect on our politics. You know, uh, and, and I know, Aaron, one of the things that uh, you're really passionate about is, is talking a lot about gun control. Um, sort of yeah. in that realm of mental health. So, Aaron, do you, you know, don't mind just kind of uh, telling us what some of your thoughts are on that. Yeah, and actually, it's interesting because I'll, I'll give you my take on it, but I feel like you guys are so much more red in this space that I'm kind of curious to get your take on. It. Well, but we just called well red. Here's how. Yes. <laughs> <Somebody. laughs> Something like that. I'm trying to fluff some egos over yeah. here. Oh man. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah, uh, yeah, what are your... I debate on Twitter, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Professionally. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I, have, I have to lock myself in a classroom of a fake school student. <laughs> that did happen that, a few weeks ago. not funny. Yeah. Oh, no, that actually funny. did happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, c- c- tell us about it. Well, I guess the thing that I find interesting is that uh, my take on it, one side of the story is always um, very oversimplified, take all the guns away, right? I know that's not really the truth, but that's sort of the version on the, at least the, 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 the party line of the left side. The right side is, in some respects, just more guns are how to solve this. And, and at the end of the day, I feel like it really comes back to me as to mental illness. Like, it comes back to people are not well. When the Valdi shooting happened, and that, that man was like 18 years old, I want to say, that did the shooting, like, the first thing that went through my mind after the horror that happened was, like, he wasn't well. Like, I think we could almost say that across the board. He wasn't well. Now, whether he was savable or or someone could have reached him, I don't know. But a lot of these situations that are happening seem like at the bottom of it, there's got to be a notable amount of something going on. It isn't just straight up someone wanted a gun and go go shoot. Someone was not well, and and this is how they thought was it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely, it does. And uh, you know, it's it's something where there's so many layers to this. Um, we start with kind of what you said early on, you were talking about how you kind of, you felt like you were the life of the party. You were people that, you know, people appreciated you. And whenever you went to your room, you thought of a simple way to, to end your life. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of respects, if you think about it, the, the, the line of thinking is not too different. It's more though about how you want to end. Cause a lot of those people making those choices want it to end for themselves but they want to cause chaos they want to cause destruction and i think what the conversation needs to be then and this is what's difficult this is why mental health needs to be talked about more is that it is a science that we don't fully understand it's a science that we need more data to understand because how many times do you hear about these kids saying yeah they were kind of quiet yeah they were kind of this they were kind of that but we never get like this common pattern across the board of who these people are going to be and if they're capable of doing such a thing. But you are right in the sense that all of them have mental health problems. I mean, that's a lot of where and, their anger began. And that a lot of times people assume when we, when we talk about someone who commits a, a crime like this, when we say, you know, it's obviously men- mental health related, People always kind of put a cap on it, like it's, uh, you know, severe depression or something like that. But mental health has so many different facets and so many different types of diagnoses. It can come from so, so many of a variety of places that, you know, you really do have to look at an individual, hopefully before they do something, as an individual and not to put a simple mental health label on In a box. In, yeah. In a box. Um, and, and what you're saying is a thousand percent correct. Every single person who commits a crime like this has some type of mental issue, some type of mental sickness. And what's so unfortunate about how our culture is geared and like we were talking earlier about distracting from the root cause, but also using mental illness 
as a distraction. The right uses mental. For the first time I've ever heard, the gun debate is the only time where I've heard Republicans talk about treating mental illness. But they don't care about the mental illness. They use it as a distraction for the gun issue. That's also part of that multi-layered thing that Ben was talking about. It pisses me off every single time they start yapping about mental illness because their intention is not pure. If you don't mind me asking too, Aaron, um, I know this is this might be a difficult question to ask. Um, when you thought about ending your life, why? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, I, I'll start off by saying I've been really fortunate that that um, the suicidal tendencies, the suicidal thoughts, for the most part, haven't been around for almost two decades. I'm really honestly pleased and proud of that and they still come they actually still do come by they still do kind of float through but now i see them more as an observer i'm like oh yeah there's that thought and it just floats away it never it doesn't stick around where mm-hmm. it used to yeah so back in the day it's interesting you ask because they're I, when i've talked to other people they've described depression similar to me is it it for me it's like this great cloud like when you've ever stood in the fog before and you're like oh there's fog but when you look in front of you you don't see anything but you can see it all around you when you look in your periphery that's how i've always experienced depression and so there's this sense of like how do i get out of this fog i can't see it i can't figure it out and it and you sort of run out of ideas to the point where like i guess the easiest way is to just sort of sleep forever but it was never as clear thought of like there's only one way out of this it just felt like my brain had already cranked through all possibilities and what was left was just the not exist. Does that make sense? It does. And um, I think the reason I ask is uh, I, in a lot of ways, believe that those people who make those decisions to cause such harm have very similar thoughts. Mm-hmm. Now, their choice of action, obviously, is drastically different. And when they're in that fog, as you said, maybe their belief of how to get out of that fog just, you know, just looks different. And when you explain it that way, it doesn't sound that evil, does it? It kind of just sounds yeah. like another way to get out, another way to but, escape. But I think there's something interesting here, too, and I, I don't... I can't speak to this from anything other than my gut telling me this, is that depression, from my experience, from my conversations with a lot of people who struggle with it, tends to be a real loner experience. Mm-hmm. kind of keep it to myself. Yeah, and so mm-hmm. suicide tends to be often part of the conversation, but it's rarely about hurting others. And in my conversations, again, I'm not saying this is across the board. Sure, my sure. I think what, we, like what we're experiencing in this with all these uh, mass shootings is something different. I think there's depression in there, but there's something else going on because there's a diff- there's a switch that goes off from going. I just don't want to be here anymore, anymore. To I want to hurt as many people as I can before I go. Oh to yeah. To me, those feel very different. Oh, they are. They they're are. Related, but they're different. And and I really want to touch on something that we've you've danced around a few different times. Dave mentioned it a moment ago. Use the word individual. And I think the key here is that mental illness thrives in being in the dark on its own alone that's it and when you bring it in the light when you share it it starts to trend mm-hmm. it changes into something different so a lot of times like someone said i think ben you said earlier you know often the old the running the running line is oh he was such a quiet kept to himself kind of person mm-hmm. and in a way that's the kind of thing people who are well connected in a community don't tend to do these things mm-hmm. and yeah. this there's this concept of the bio biopsychosocial model that you know, part of mental uh, mental health community. Now look who's well read. Well. <laughs> now look who's well read. Continue, my friend. I uh, just get a bullshitting. So the biopsychosocial model really talks about if you can get these three quadrants of your life: your health, bio, your psycho, in other words, your mental and emotional yeah. health, and social, your connection to your community. If you can have these three balanced, you're going to be much, much more likely to be resilient and functional in the world. Well, we're talking about removing the social piece of that. Someone who's a loner or has a very small world, doesn't feel connected, doesn't feel part, doesn't have empathy, compassion, connection to the world, they're going to see that us and them way, way, way more contrasted, right? Black and white. It's me against everyone else. And my only way sure. of dealing with that is hurting. Not only, but that's one yeah. of the things. No, and I, I, I think to, to kind of clarify what I had said earlier is... Um, I think that piece, and I, I really appreciate it, the way you explain that, because that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense in, in 
their thought process. It, and it to me seems like though I feel like the the relationship I was kind of alluding to was those beginning phases of like that dark cloud, those beginning phases oh, yeah. of, of of feeling that way, and then it almost kind of seems like then along the way, like you said, there's kind of like that add on, like that add on of I I want to hurt, I want to harm, and I I almost wonder myself too, kind of like talking to the three of you. Like, where and when, how? I mean, any, any way to ask this question, how do we start seeing that evolution of I'm depressed, I don't see an out, to I now want to harm? And I, I think that's a good way to start it, is talking about the individualism side of it, the isolation side of it. And it, it, it makes you wonder if there's more indicators out there that we could start looking at more to be a little bit more accurate. And I know that sounds fucked up to kind of predict who's going to be like that, but it's hard to kind of think of alternatives. Well, I, I don't think it's fucked up at all to um, recognize uh, someone hurting. I think that's what... You, it's not saying that you're going to do bad and that you have to be locked up, but uh, I think what you're saying is um, recognizing someone who's hurting, and I don't think that's bad at all. Yeah. Um, again, you said earlier that it's it's a very not broken science, but a very misunderstood science, and uh, it's different for everybody. That's what makes it so incredibly difficult. Um, it's some neurons don't snap in certain people's brains, and some do, and and y- y- unless you're l- literally looking at those neurons, you you can't tell. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but it takes a lot of talking and it takes, I think, bringing it out into the open, which, yeah. uh, I, I think is right now the only help that we can do or the only way that we can really identify those problems. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and the social stigmas are a big thing that we have to, I, I think as a culture, that's where our responsibility lies. Because like you were saying, whether it's, uh, you know, an, an individual in the throes of depression and they don't know where to go, you know, they're very isolated, um, or somebody else who might have violent tendencies, they don't have those social connections, no, they, they don't have the, the, either the resources in the moment, you know, maybe like in your case, you didn't have the resources in the moment to know what to do, or the willpower to go there yet. And the person without the social connections, they don't have resources either because everybody's ignoring them. And a lot of times the reason why you can't find those things is because you really know deep down inside there's stigma to that. That people are going to immediately judge you or they're going to force you into something that might be what you need, but they're going to try to throw it into you instead of letting you make that decision. They want to give you the solution, yeah. but they don't want to give you the support process that you choose and you decide. It, it's, <laughs> it's our collective responsibility yeah. to change that, and that is so ridiculously hard. It's almost like there's really no absolute answer to what we just talked about, so why should there be an absolute rule for how guns are distributed? Oh, it's it's the Constitution, Ben. Oh shit! God damn it! You, you, you get. To I it. was really onto something. I just, <laughs> God, I just thought I had it. I thought I had it. I thought I figured it out after fifty-five minutes. <laughs> shit! Oh god! No. Um, please. But, uh, this <laughs> zoom ends in ten minutes. One minute. Ten seconds. But where I'm going with this is that what's so interesting is that. What everyone, what a lot of people who are struggling with mental illness believe, and I know I've believed this for a long time, was I'm the only one. And what's so interesting is that there is so much consistency between issues, uh, between what people are struggling. How they got there may be slightly different, but for the end of the day, a lot of it comes back to we all we all have trauma in our lives, and that's and that tends to manifest into this. And the reality is there's so much shared experiences that people keep to themselves as a secret. And they're not having the conversation, but as soon as people start being brave enough to have the conversation to share it, and they realize, wow, it's not just me, it shifts everything really quickly. I've seen it happen a lot of times. 
And so I think that's the key is, is having more and more conversation, people being able to feel safe enough to share, feel safe enough to be reached out and reached out to, and then people being feeling safe enough like Brandon to reach out and be like, hey, are you okay? Or, hey, I'm willing to start a conversation, even if it seems uncomfortable, and see where it goes. But, you know, this is an enormous fucking ship to turn. It's not happening anytime soon, but we can at least keep trying to stare at that direction. That's my take. It's a good take. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it all starts with something. I mean, and I, I know that there's a lot of reasons to feel like it, it won't do a lot, but it does. I mean, gosh, it was just a century ago we were doing the same thing with the civil rights movement, with the gay rights movement, with, with all these things. Things that felt misunderstood until we all fucking took the time to understand it. Mm-hmm. Until lawmakers took the time to understand it. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy mental health's out there in the world, but I don't fully believe that lawmakers understand it yet. And, and that's, that's the next step. It's like watching politicians try to understand what Facebook is. <laughs> the Facebook. <laughs> now, I, Excuse me. now, I, I poked you. <laughs> I virtually poked you. Does that mean you assaulted me? <laughs> I virtually just grabbed you by the pussy. <laughs> no, I do that in person. <laughs> oh, Lindsey Graham found out what Grinder was pretty quickly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, he did. And you know, I feel like our like series finale is going to be you and Lindsey Graham just going at it, just like, like, ring style. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's gonna be that's the only logical conclusion to end this is Mitch McConnell and Dave Martin like announcing your battle with Lindsey Graham. I can do it. Did I, did I just? Did you guys just officially announce that Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham will be the guest on the season finale? I think so. Is I think there a so. Finale to the season. Well, <laughs> yeah. We don't have a season finale, do we? <laughs> do we ever do like a season finale where we take a three month break? <laughs> <And it's> just... <laughs> <Nope>. Every fucking <laughs> week. <laughs> Like, like you know, at at some point the the ramp's got to stop, right? There's got to be no more ramp at some point for our chair to just the go chair up. Never stop. So that, say that to Eleanor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. She must have had amazing, uh, pretty strong thighs. <laughs> well, looking at her, maybe so. <laughs> those are those are good Protestant thighs, right there. <laughs> She could push a trolley a mile. <laughs> she could kneel for that cross so good. All um, right. Well, Aaron, man, thanks so much for, uh, you know, jumping on with us today. I think we learned a lot. Um, I, I hope listeners out there will take what is being said and, 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 and do something with it, whether it's a personal thing, you know, um, whether you know somebody who's struggling. Well, I, I, I don't know what that is, that it is, that, you, you know, people could do with it, but my God, I think this episode seemed to be really, really, really resourceful. And um, if it can make the difference in, you know, one person's life, you know, um, I know it, it changes my perspective every time I talk about it. Um, so I think that's pretty neat. Usually we're just talking about dick jokes. And- yeah, and we'll we'll definitely put Aaron's number on our Facebook page. So. Yep, his, his grinder accounts, his, his, uh, yeah, just, his farmers only uh, ID login. His, yeah, his uh, favorite <laughs> tattoo artist. No, we're, we're gonna link his phone to nine eight eight. Oh my god. <laughs> It never stops ringing. Wow. I can't call myself now. Well, hey, man, though, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate kind of giving us the, I'll, I'll use the term again, but I really appreciate uh, getting that growth mindset with you, oh, you know, yeah. and uh, and just and just thinking about how to make things better because that's what the chair does, man. What well, tries to do at least. Mm-hmm. We definitely try. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Anytime, man. Awesome, man. Welp. Hope you all have a very lovely week. Do something for your mental health today. Yeah. And we are sponsored by no one. No one. And next week, everybody, is, man, we're going to be right up against midterms. So we'll yeah. probably have a last push talking about the latest 
polling data because we love our polling oh, data. Oh yeah, yes, polling data. Something that's not flaccid. The polls right now. <laughs> They're very very active. Oh. So uh, yeah. So the last push, we're going to see where things stand as far as where we think the House and the Senate and the governorship are going to go, and whether or not we want to apply for dual citizenship somewhere. <laughs> Cool, I'm going for a single, motherfucker. Right. <laughs> I already have the tab open, so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, everybody, this has been... A legacy of FDR in his wheelchair.